0: Can uh, grab a seat. Second Corinthians ten is where we'll be today. Awesome day to be in church. Awesome day to live in Montana. Feel like we had like a glimpse of summer. The clouds parted, and then today, just in time to make sure you were all in church, the Lord brought some rain. Uh, I want to continue and also conclude our series called Off the Map, the last uh, three, well including today, three Sundays on this thought of uh, going off the map, and uh, uh, part one, a couple weeks ago, we talked about following God's will will take you off the map, and I don't know if you've ever asked the question, God, what's your will for my life? Has anyone ever said that? What's your will? What do I do? And I just want to highlight the last few weeks, and then we'll get into Second Corinthians and message for today. But we talked about uh, God's will is more like a game plan than a blueprint. If you're going to go off the map for God and follow God, he doesn't give you every jot and tittle. You need to follow him in faith. Can I hear an amen? Amen. You need to follow God. God, what's your So sometimes we want this very spelled out will, but really what God wants you to do uh, and what he reminded us was if you follow his word, you will be in his will. If you walk in his ways, one of the ways to find God's will is to follow him and follow this word. Because I believe if you're in the word, you'll be in his will, right. right? And so we talked about that a few weeks ago and sometimes we're looking for that thus says the Lord or God told me to do this and he really just wants you to follow his word. And when those thus says the Lord's come and we're called to go, uh, we'll, we'll march off the map. So we looked at following God's will. Uh, last week we talked about if you're gonna go off the map, you shouldn't go alone. Right? Church, church isn't a uh, sport for uh, singular athletes. It's not, I can't be pastor decathlete. Right? Watch Josh run, jump, throw. He does it all. Right? Church is all about team. Uh, it's family. It's about, uh, we, we want to have uh, active participants, not passive observers. Right? But church is about team. And we showed this uh, picture last week on the left. is a a picture of a church planting book. It's actually a pretty good book, and I, I don't want to use it, paint such a in a bad way. But there's this picture of this cool pastor guy with a sickle, and the wheat represents the harvest, and it says "church planter," the man, the message, the mission, and so, which is pretty cool, right? Oh, here I am, Lord, send me. You know, uh, you know, ready to launch into the mission field, and that's great. God needs to call. Uh, there's individual callings, but church isn't an individual sport. On the right is a picture of the church plant team that started this church. And it took a team. It took, we showed you Bruce Donnelly looking like Shaggy Doom, right? Uh, he would be hipster today. Bruce's clothes would sell on, on uh, Craigslist today, right? He's got the, the bell bottoms and the mustaches even in. It's back in. K Valentine is as adorable as ever right in the middle, right? Uh, but if you look at that picture, that's what we want to, we want to be interdependent, not independent. Yeah, sure. Because there's some things you shouldn't do alone, like rock climbing or scuba diving or massive backpacking trips. You can do those alone, but, and typically you're fine, but what happens if you get into trouble, right? And so we talked about if we're going to go off the map, we have to go, with someone. We have to go as a team. We have to be a family. We, we're called to uh, go to the nations, the city, state, nation, in the world, and we do that together. Can I hear it? Amen. Um, even Apostle Paul, this next slide, just by way of reminder, and if you missed last week, the Apostle Paul, uh, the first list of numbers is everyone he traveled with, Sometimes we think of the Apostle Paul, he is an amazing super apostle, and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but even Paul, as great as he was, didn't go alone. That's who he went with. So it was Paul and Aquila, or Paul and Titus, or Paul and Silas, or Paul and Barnabas. It was always Paul and, not just Paul, me, myself, and I. And the second list is the list of his support ministry, or people that were his fellow prisoners. So Paul definitely, certainly didn't go alone. He didn't go off the map alone. As he went and, and ministered to the nations, he was, it wasn't just centered on Paul's life, and he did have a great gifting. Paul, even Paul needed team, right? So like the Lone Ranger needed Tonto. All right. So today I want to look at 1 Corinthians uh, Actually, 2 Corinthians 10, uh, beginning in verse 13. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, going off the map. And I want to talk to you about um, the church family we're a part of is called Regions Beyond. And that name actually comes from this scripture as Paul's writing to the Corinthian uh, church. And we'll read this in a moment. But I want to talk to you today both corporately and individually, what does it mean to go to the regions beyond? Or what does it mean to go off the map? What does it mean to have a faith that goes beyond the borders of what we thought or where we're going to live? And wanted to remind us church life is meant to be more like a river than it is a lake. Right, lakes can become stagnant. Lakes, if they don't have an outlet and inlet, the water just sits. And uh, church life's supposed to be like a river that's flowing and moving and going and, and we're called to be on the go. Jesus was continually going somewhere. Like the Apostle Paul, the early church was extremely apostolic. In other words, they went to the nations, they took the apostolic doctrine around the world because they were called to be the church going, not just going to church. Right. And so today I want to get some movement into us for future vision and and a bit of a challenge today. A bit of a uh, today's going to be a bit of uh, we're more pioneers than we are settlers. Think about let that just sit in for a minute. We're called to be pioneers, not settlers. We're called to go off the map. Uh, How many want to be a part of a vision like that? I remember uh, last year at September, Steve Oliver, who leads our family churches, preached a message that really spurred in me this series, Uh, but at the end of the message, he got a piece of paper and he said, God's going to give you a new map. It was just a blank piece of paper, not a real fancy illustration, but he said, if, if you want to uh, step out into new things in this next year, come forward. And we all had a piece of paper like this, and we held it up and said, God, give me a new map. I'm ready to go for you. That's bold faith, right? And uh, he used the illustration of Napoleon, the great army general that marched his army across the Far East, and they kept going from one nation to the next, and uh, at one time, his captains came riding back, real fast. That was my horse sound. They came riding back real fast, and they said, we can't go any further. We've come to the the end of the known world. We've come to the edge of our map. (laughs) Imagine that. No more map, we, we can't go any further. We don't know what's out there and he said, good armies will stay in the confines of the map but great armies will march off the map. They create new maps, they find new territories and new boundaries and go to new places and so I, wanna, I want to take that message, I re-listen to it and it's actually on our website and I emailed our, our whole church family. I think it'd behoove you to re-listen to that as well, but that's where this message comes from, and I wanted to put some meat on the bones. Well, God, how do we go off the map? So three things today as we look at uh, 2 Corinthians, Corinthians 10, and uh, before I read that, I do want to uh, have Ben Rittner stand up. Ben? Ta-da. That's Ben, ladies and gentlemen. Um, ben is uh, married to Heather and uh, who is our, uh, leads our worship department, but Ben is headed off the map tomorrow to Brazil. And uh, not for good, he's coming back, obviously. Uh, Shouldn't point that out. Heather's like, yes, you are coming back, honey. You will be back on time. Uh, last year at the summit, we received an offering for ministry into the favelas, which are very poor neighborhoods and parts of Brazil, Very dangerous, rough neighborhoods, and uh, $14,000 was raised. You guys gave very generously with our other churches in the state of Montana to, uh, to give to new work in Brazil. Well, uh, we don't want to just, we believe missions is more than just writing a check and sending it. Uh, ben is going to connect uh, us and our hearts and to follow up on the work that has grown since then. And so the money you gave, just to report, has been faithfully used And Ben's gonna, uh, he's not going off the map alone, he's going with Trevor Payne from the UK, and John Meek from Spokane. And so exciting that we're part of something global and bigger than ourselves, so uh, off the map we go, and amazing an offering last year is leading to more and more, and so uh, I wanted to point that out. And one personal note, they won't want me to do this, but my parents, Marvin and Karen, would you guys stand up? Come on. (laughs) They, uh, they're visiting uh, just over the weekend, and they called to ring the other day to say, hey, we visited down in, uh, and I blame it on the winter this year in Bozeman, but uh, it was where they lived. They called and they said, we uh, went and visited Tucson area, and we're moving to Arizona uh, in, what month is it now, May? It's May. <laughs> they said, we're moving in May. And we said, okay. And so, uh, they moved this Friday to Tucson, and and actually, it, it, that may seem, uh, yeah, oh, um, it's okay, you can be sad with me. You um, can be sad when people move, but actually, my family, if you knew my family, uh, these guys have never stayed still, and God has always had a new map um, for them and for us and our family, and, and uh, I think it's great you're here today because... We're going to pray that uh, God gives you a new map. Who knows what He's going to write on that as you're called to a new place? And so, let's read Paul's words uh, today in Second Corinthians and see what uh, it would say to us. It is supposed to be Second Corinthians. It says first. It's supposed to be second. 1013, but we will not boast beyond limits, but we'll boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned to us to reach even to you. For we're not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you, for we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limits, in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you will greatly be enlarged. Verse 16, so that we will preach the gospel to the regions beyond you, without boasting of the work already done in another area, another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Verse 18, for it is not the one who commands himself who is approved, but the one who the Lord commands. Father, as we look at um, a few brief points today that remind us and charge us and challenge us to go off the map, would you help us as a church not be stagnant, Lord? We don't want to be like a lake that's like a, a pool, but we want to be a river that touches our city, state, and nation, and the world, and so... Would you help us, God, to um, just get a hold of some truths today that uh, we're we're not willing, we're not ready uh, to be settlers in our faith. We want to be pioneers. And this church wouldn't be here for 40 years if it weren't for pioneers that joined a team and came and planted a church. And I I really, truly believe that you're getting us ready for a new wave of of, uh, pioneering in the gospel and in the faith and growth. So help me communicate what I feel is your heart. Please, Lord. Amen. Amen. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, uh, basically Paul had helped start this church. Paul had pastored the Corinthian church and then he left on one of his mission trips. And while he was gone, uh, it would be as if I went away on vacation Uh, For a few weeks, and there was a guest speaker that uh, just picture this. I know it's a bit odd, but and this hasn't happened. So, uh, but what if someone came in while I'm gone on vacation? That'd be nice, wouldn't it, babe? We go on vacation, and and uh, while I'm gone, someone stands up and says, "You know what? Uh, Your pastor. I'm not sure he really speaks the truth." and I'm not sure he's really been teaching you Bible, and after all, I'm one of the uh, true leaders of the faith, so I think you should follow me, Uh, that would be very confusing, wouldn't it? It may lead some of you to go, well, Does he teach the truth or is he someone worth following? And who's this person that came in to speak? Well, this is exactly when Paul's writing this scripture. Paul had gone and gone away. uh, And while he's gone, someone came in and started to question him and started to, it was one of these super apostles, he called them, someone actually from Jerusalem. So they would have been viewed as, you know, that guest speaker's from Jerusalem They may have said, well, Paul, he really wasn't one of the 12. Paul, we're not sure who Paul was. And really, we're from, you know, we're the Jerusalem guys. We're kind of one of the the big guns. And so they started to question Paul's authority. And so Paul actually uh, doesn't come to defend himself, but he wants to defend the gospel because nations and churches are at stake. And so Paul doesn't want this church to slide into error. And so That's where 1 Corinthians 10 comes from. It's a response uh, to what happened in these guest uh, speakers or super apostles who came to uh, bring dispersion or bring uh, division in the church. And so Paul's saying, hey, let's put a stop to this because we're called to go off the map. And Paul, uh, three things today I think we can find in this scripture that uh, Paul reminded the Corinthians and I want to remind us today. Are you guys with me? I'm going to get a a drink of water and share three things. Um, If we're going to go off the map and if you're going to live on the edge of your faith, I believe God wants us to value the edges more than the center. God wants us to value the edges more than the center. After all, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, the Bible says, Uh, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always. I love that first word, and it's so important. It was the word go. It was this church was meant to be on the move. It was meant to be a sharing church and a going church and a planting church and a church that was uh, looked beyond its four walls and beyond the the buildings and the homes that they met in. It was a church that valued the edges more than the center. I was recently reading a story of uh, earlier Americans in 1806, particularly one named Samuel Mills, Samuel Mills was a college student at Williams College uh, in Massachusetts, and Samuel had a huge burden for the nations, and God started to stir in him. He had a few buddies. There's actually four friends, and they went away uh, out into a field, a very rural place to pray that God would move. They said, God, and, and actually a huge thunderstorm blew in, torrential downpour, and they hid uh, on the leeward, is it the leeward sign? Side? Whichever side's out of the wind. Uh, of a haystack. And these five students in Massachusetts prayed, and you know what happened? God moved. They, it was called, he was called Samuel Mills and the Haystack Five. Sounds like a band name <laughs> from the 60s. Samuel Mills and the Haystack Five. God moved, and a missions movement was born. One little prayer meeting, sitting in a haystack. Why? Because they thought, God, we want to. We're happy with what you've done. We even like our church. We even like our nation. But God, we want to value the edges more than the center. That was in 1806, and a missions movement started with college students that started to go around the world. They even saw uh, missionaries go to Hawaii. <laughs> That's how. Yeah, I'll go. Here I am, Lord, send me. Yeah, send me to Phoenix. Send me to Tucson. That sounds hard. No, I'm just kidding. After a long winter, yes, Lord, I'm ready to go. Um, they sent missionaries to China. They they felt called of God. God moved through their simple prayer meeting, Samuel Mills and the Haystack Five. Why? Because God did something in them where they wanted to value the edges. They wanted to value those on the outside. They wanted to value those on the outside looking in and those who didn't have someone. They didn't have a pastor. They didn't have a preacher. They didn't have a church. Mission organization that reached the world. Amazing back then. Charles Spurgeon said this. The Prince of Preachers, the Christian church was designed from the first to be aggressive. It was not intended to remain stationary at any period but to advance onward until its boundaries become commensurate with those uh, of the world. It was to spread from Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and from Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. It was not intended to radiate from one central point only but to form numerous centers from which its influence may spread uh, to the surrounding parts. He said, "We're called to, the early church was called to be on the move. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violence what? Take it by force. We're ready to, he's saying, we've gotta be on the go. We're not meant to be stationary and just meet in our buildings and have nice meetings. We're meant to reach the world, guys. And so I believe if we're going to go off the, the map as a church, we, I think uh, we have to even more, and we do already value the edges more than the center. Value those on the outside looking in. Value the, I'm thrilled in the last two weeks, we've had two different, uh, a couple and a, a single, visit us from the apartments right around the church here. Come on, Lord, send more. Uh, we, we want to value those on the outside. We want to value those that come to our food bank. We want to value those students at DeSmet School that we tutor and, and people that are on the edges, people that are on the fringe. I love the, the story where um, Jesus told a parable of a great banquet. And this was nice. This was a nice banquet. And invitations were sent out. And people were invited, Right? But it says the, the servant came and said, no one's come. We have all the food and we have this banquet set up, but no one's come. And the master said, go to the highways and the byways and get out there and he'd get anyone who would come. Must be the anthem of the church in our day to not only value the center, not only value what we do here, but value the edges and value those that don't have the gospel and value nations like Burundi that are out there. We don't hear about it on the news, but are in crisis where hundreds of thousands will die. Not just without hearing the word, but die of starvation, food, milk, bread and water, the basic needs, essential things that we as a church can provide. So we want to value the edges as much, if not more, than the center. Can I hear an amen? The second thing, if we're going to go off the map, we need to value the lost as much as the found. If not more. And I want to temper this because it is important. We don't want to neglect the gathering. I already preached last week about we don't go alone. We have team. We saw that uh, in Galatians uh, says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those of the family of believers, right? We need to remember that uh, churches and missions and going off the map is a both and thing. And so when I say value the lost more than the found, we don't forget those that are found. In fact, we can't forget those that are found. Paul said, especially to those of the household of faith, we need to value those in our midst. But Jesus also had an eye for the lost. Can I hear a great big amen? He had a both and. Uh, like in Luke 15, he said, suppose one of you had 100 sheep and loses one. Doesn't he leave the 99? Doesn't he leave that one and leave the rest in the open country and he goes to find that one lost sheep? That's from Luke 15. It's, it's, there's the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, and Jesus' heart is for the lost. It's for the, those that are missing and those that are gone AWOL and those that aren't with us. And so though we gather together and we celebrate this and we cherish it, we must have an eye for those that aren't here. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was. He said, that's why I've come. I came to get you guys He's like a lifeguard. Imagine a lifeguard that just visits with the people on the edge of the pool, his friends. Right? <laughs> a lifeguard's there to watch out. He's specifically watching for the, man, that, that one's falling in, or that one's tired, or that one's not making it to the edge of the pool. Jesus said, that's why I came, to value those that our loss. See, churches... Um, it's like bike riding, and I just thought of this illustration this morning, but um, if you can imagine, the bikes have two pedals. Um, you need them both, right? I remember as a kid, I had one bike where the left side always fell off. One, that happens, you always fall down. <laughs> but two, you try to pedal, you're like You ever try to do that? Just pedal with one foot? Church is like two pedals. One pedal is discipleship and caring for those in our midst. The other pedal's evangelism, reaching the lost, and if you can get them both going, boy, a church can really cruise, but if you just have one without the other, right? And I, I think we do a pretty good job at caring for, for one another, and we do a pretty good job at evangelizing. In fact, this church is serving all over in the community, but let's get both of those going, and let's value the lost as much as we do the found. I shared about Samuel Mills in 1806, this haystack prayer meeting. Well, uh, some years went by, and in 1877, that mission movement waned a bit. And a young man uh, named Luther Wishard uh, was stirred like Samuel Mills was. God started to move on his heart for ministry off the map, for missions. And Luther actually visited Williamson College where uh, the Haystack Five had met and where the Haystack had sat where they had this famous prayer meeting, there actually was a monument put up and he went and visited this place because he had a similar heart for missions in the lost. Uh, He went there and he prayed this amazing prayer. I want you to listen to this so closely. He said, God, where rivers flowed, let them flow again. Where rivers flowed, let them flow again. I want to go to the world with the gospel. One guy praying where rivers flowed, not, not stagnant, not a lake, where they flowed. And what's interesting, guys, Christianity and church always begins, it's always a mission, it's always movement. But how quickly does it turn from a movement or a mission to monuments and museums? If we don't if we don't look out to the lost and don't look to the world, we'll just talk about what happened in the good old days. We'll just pray the same way or want to sing the old songs. To to be on the move and march off the map, we must value the new more than the old. You guys didn't like that. <laughs> We've got to. When we fight, against, if we resist new or movement or uh, moving on the old, we might as well have a museum and just talk about what God did in the past. Sa- uh, what is his name? Luther, Luther Wishard wasn't satisfied with the, with the stories of what happened with Samuel Mills and his buddies before. He said, God, where rivers flowed, let them flow again. Do it in my day. Do you know what? He was the first full time employee of this organization called the YMCA. Young Men's Christian Christian Association. Now it's just the Y. (laughs) Why? (laughs) I don't remember why. You know why? It was a mission organization. Young Women's Christian Association, Young Men's Christian. Why? Because they started going from, and this is how uh, actually InterVarsity and other campus ministries that exist today are because of this vision of Luther Wishard. who he started going from campus to campus and he said, God, send me to the world. Send me to the lost. Do you know what? God didn't let him. God said, I want you to stay in your nation and recruit. And uh, Luther found this guy a little known evangelist named D.L. Moody. And he said, would you please help me? I feel God's called me to recruit missionaries for the world and D.L. Moody and Luther Wishard held a meeting uh, at a place called Mount Hermon and they they gathered hundreds of college students and they said, who wants to give their life for the gospel? And they actually had them sign covenants. I will go to the nations. A hundred young people signed a covenant to go to the nations in their first first year. The second year over 1,500, and in the next 40 to 50 years, over 20,000 missionaries launched to the world. Why, because they valued the lost as much if not more than the found. Something burned in them where they said, we don't want a museum or a monument, I'm happy for what happened and grateful for the past, but we wanna see what God can do in the future and what God can do right now, amen? So we want to value the lost, and, and you, we want the two pedals of the bike, guys. Really think about that in your life. How much time are we, are we spending in our community groups and really investing in people, but also do we have a heart for the lost? Are we serving in Dismet School? Are we serving in our food bank? Are we, are we serving in other ministries in, in, um, in our city? And it, I probably shouldn't share this, but I will because it's just in the initial stages, but uh, last year... Uh, we, well, we had the Super Bowl here. And I shared a story of, I don't remember why I had this illustration, but uh, I shared with you, over the Super Bowl, there would be 1.33 billion chicken wings eaten. Do you remember that? That's a lot of chickens. It's a massacre. Save the chicken. Besides Thanksgiving, the Super Bowl is the second most, like we eat more in the Super Bowl than any other day except Thanksgiving. Uh, but I shared that. I shared that uh, Americans will consume over that weekend 325 million gallons of beer over the Super Bowl. And I got this idea. I thought, Chris, I'm going to share it today. But I thought, um, God, there's... there's and, uh, listening to my friend Chris who does um, uh, coaching in AA and NA and actually having a family member go through substance abuse issues and... Uh, which I've talked about in the past, I thought, God, help us reach people on the Super Bowl. And uh, next year on the Super Bowl, I want to have an event called the Sober Bowl. (laughs) And I know many of you have the liberty and and do drink, and the thought of going to the Super Bowl without a beer would be, wow, man, ribs and a beer, they go, it's like peanut butter and jelly, right? Um, But although there's people who have the liberty and freedom to drink, there's a lot of people who can't even touch a drop. And there's a lot of people, I'm just hearing so many stories of substance abuse and alcoholism and, and addictions to uh, medications and drugs and, and my heart just going out for those in our city that, uh, like ladies who come into the Teen Challenge program in our city, and I, I, I feel like God's just reminding me, value the lost as much as the found. And so we're trying to acquire this name and we got a website, there's nothing on it yet, but uh, next year, here, Lord willing, if it goes according to plan, we're gonna have the biggest Super Bowl party in Missoula, Sober Bowl. And we're gonna celebrate sobriety and celebrate, celebrate those p- people that need to be encouraged and need to be challenged and need to be helped along. Why? Because God values the lost. And those of you that want your cold smoke, you can do that in the privacy of your own home. (laughs) With no condemnation. So let's value the lost, amen? When we do that, I believe God, you know what, when we look out to the world, it's one of the greatest ways, if you're stuck in a funk as a believer, or maybe just in a down place in your faith, one of the greatest ways to get out of that is to look out and serve others, and, and look to their needs, cause, and, and, and you just start to feel better when you serve. Let's have our church be a river, not a lake, amen? Um, finally, the last thing is, uh, if we're gonna march off the map, we need to value the Lord and others above ourselves. Paul talked about going to regions beyond and not going out of my reach. He said, I, I'm going to go to regions beyond and preach. There was something apostolic in him that knew we're called to the nations, right? We're called to the lost. Paul, Paul's very ministry and the ethos of what he did and what the church is called to do is to help people and bring them into this great family, right? And to put the lonely into families. But Paul... Uh, ended our reading, the the portion of reading by saying, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, right? For it is not the one who commends himself who's approved, but the one who the Lord commends. If we're gonna go far, and if we're gonna go off the map, we need to value the Lord and others above ourselves. make that a little more simple, value humility. If we're going to go far, guys, and if we're going to reach others, we need to be the most humble people on the face of the earth, not that compare ourselves. Paul had super apostles coming in, and, well, Paul does this, and we don't like Paul for that, and we don't, pl- we don't want to play those church games here, right? We, I, I like to say it like this. We want to be a low-drama church. Yeah. Drama is invited if you're trying to find God and you have issues in your life. You're totally welcome, but religious drama has no place here. Right? We don't, we don't have room for that. We don't have time for that. We don't have time to compare and critique and criticize. And, and we remember Matthew 18 that says, if your brother offends you, go to your friend. If your brother offends you, go to Facebook. If your brother offends you, maybe tweet that. Right? What does it say? If your brother offends you, go to him. Go to your brother. Go, go to that person. Paul had someone in his church Talking about Paul. Right? And he's saying, we don't have time for that. We're called to go to regions beyond, uh, borders out there. We're gonna get far. And we do that by not boasting in ourselves, but, but my, by making little of ourselves and much of Jesus. Right? Matthew 23:12, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Are you with me today? 2 Corinthians 5.15, and he died for all. Let this scripture sink in. This is, if you hear anything, hear this. Tune in quick. 2 Corinthians 5.15, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. You see where Jesus came to save us, but he came to save us from our self-centeredness, living for ourselves, living for comparison, living to make much of ourselves. Guys, we're, uh, Paul, as he gives this amazing apostolic encouragement of we're here for everyone else, he says, let he who boasts boast in God. Let's be the most humble people on the face of the earth. Let's not compare what this church is doing and that church is doing. This pastor said that. We don't have time for that. And in that way, you guys really are a low drama church. I want to commend you and thank you for for, uh, making my life easy and keeping hair in my head. Because I hear from other churches, not this one, other pastor friends that say, man, the... this church, God, you've given me. You guys really are low drama in that way. But let's value the Lord above ourselves. There's no room for comparison, right? If we can do those things, if we can value the edges, think out, start to think lost, not just found. If we can think, man, God's the one, you know what's so helpful about thinking, putting God above ourselves? You know what? Little is much when God is in it, right? And when you try to do things in your strength, how far can we get? We can't save the world. I can get up here and scream and spit and preach and try to do everything in my own strength. Courtney can play those keys and Dennis can drum and do the yell thing that he does and get really pumped, right? Drummer! Ah. Right? We can be really excited and try to give it all we got in ourselves, but that won't get very far. That'll get out to the door. <laughs> You'll go home and have lunch, and that was a nice Sunday preach. That was a nice, we feel better about ourselves. Let's believe that God is God, and he wants to reach the world, and he's going to do it. And so when we devalue ourselves and uh, know that he came, that we live for him, not ourselves, I think something changes, and Jesus really did then die for a reason. Right, And so I believe God, if we can do those things, God will give us a, a new map. He'll give us a new map this year. And, and by the way, there's one more point I, I thought of, um, said it briefly, let's value the new more than the old. Yeah. Yeah. If we're going to go far, we, we can't be the church that says, well, that's not how we used to always do it. That's what we, not what we used to do. Why are we doing this? Why are we, see part of, part of change and going off the map is getting from here to there. Part of my job as your leader and pastor is to get us from, from here over there. I don't like there. That's what you tell me, there's Schmer. I like it here. Whenever we try to make changes or do something new, and, and if, if you don't like it, basically what you're saying is, well, I like here. I like my map. I like what, where I'm at. I like what's going on here. Well, guys, uh, catch the drift. God's calling us to new things and a, a new time and a new season and new maps. And if we're ever going to get to the edge of the, uh, like, and you know what, Napoleon's army, do you know what eventually is his leaders talked him into turning around. They did go too far. They did get to the edge and they, they, didn't, they didn't map the whole world. Not saying it was right or wrong that they should have, but they did turn back. Guys, by all means, we're not of those who shrink back, but those who press on and are are saved. Amen? We press on, and this church wouldn't be here for 40 years if there wasn't risk takers and uh, prayer makers and people willing to say, God, move in me and courage to release the familiar and seemingly secure to embrace the new and say, God, do something in my day. I wanna have a haystack prayer meeting. I wanna pray and see you move. I wanna pray and send missionaries. I wanna pray and see new campuses start and churches start. When Steve Oliver uh, preached the message off the map last September, I immediately left that, that meeting and I felt like God say, man, what you're doing is too small. I wanna give you a new map and I want Clark Fork City Church to expand beyond these walls. I believe God said, you're gonna have new campuses and new churches and I, I've, I felt like he said, get downtown, reach students, get people, get them again, get into the Bitterroot Valley, get, get other churches going, let's multiply because you're too big to stay too, this small right? And what uh, Luther Washard did when he said, where rivers flowed, let them flow again, what he was saying was, man, I want those that go, went before me, I want their ceiling to be my floor. And I believe God's saying that today. There's those that went before us and prayed great prayers and did great things, and their ceiling can be our floor if we step out in faith. Amen? So guys, let's infiltrate and not isolate. Let's ask God for a new map and a, a new season. Let's come through the doors and say, God, move in me. Do something new in me where I embrace the loss and embrace the mission field. And, and maybe like Luther was heard, he, he, he wanted to go so bad to the nations. But you know how he went? By staying. <laughs> Most of you in the room are gonna help us go off the map by staying by living lives, building families, part of this church, uh, living in uh, western Montana. You're going to go by funding and praying and having ministries and having home groups, but there are some of you as well that are going to go <laughs> by going. And you're going to answer the call and say, God, send me. I think some of, uh, some of those goers are retirees. I've talked to several retirees in our church who said, man, we just retired and What's next? You know, if you're not careful, you'll be like Merle Johnston in our church, right, Marcia? He's retired from teaching. He taught three generations at Frenchtown High School, three generations. He was in the paper for that, and he's he retired and he's more busy than ever. He's at St. Pat's. He's at Tesmet School. He comes to our staff meetings. He's at prayer meetings. He is every, he's at the city food ministry. He's like a one-man wave of revival around Missoula. Every single day he has something to do. And slow him down. No, Marsha. No. He's busier than ever. Some of us need to retire to ministry. And that's where God's going to call you to go. Look out. God's calling you to go. And so I guess the question is, will you go off the map with me and our church? Huh? Can we do that? Can we stand today and pray uh, and know that the church was not designed to be stagnant? Go ahead and stand. Courtney and the team can come. These guys are going to lead us in a a song, a declaration in a moment, but I want to pray for us uh, today. Lord, we ask, uh, today could be a reminder of maybe what you called us to in the past. Uh, We pray today would be uh, an instigator of maybe what could be a new vision for people that have come today. And we pray today could be uh, a launch pad for our church to say, hey, we want, we don't want to embrace the the new as much as the old. We want to embrace the lost as much, if not as more than the found. Help us to reach people, Jesus. After all, it's why you came to seek and to save that which was lost. And in our own way, uh, each, every single person in the room where we work, where we live, where we do life, uh, help us be missionaries for you. We don't have to be preachers. We don't have to be up on this stage, but we can be empowered to serve you and see the church go. And so, Lord, I pray uh, a prayer of the past very gratefully. We're thankful for what you've done in the past. We're grateful for what you've done in this church over the years where the Holy Spirit has fallen in mighty ways and powerful ways. We're so grateful for that. We're grateful that the ceiling of the past can be the floor of the present and that we can stand it. We stand on shoulders of giants, of those who went before us, of a team that started a church and people that led a great church that we can be a part of and our kids can grow up in. But we do pray today, would you please, Jesus, send us. And maybe as we sing this song, you would remind us to respond to your great gospel call and please help us to be less than no ordinary. Help us reach this city for you. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's, uh, let's lift our voices in response today.
1: Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory what hearts long for to be Yeah. yeah, guys, he's with, well he's with us. Come on. He's with
0: us. Thank you, Laura. This
1: place and fill the-
0: I'd like to uh, invite any of you up for prayer. Uh, as God speaking in your heart, and, and maybe you've, you've been in a self-centered place, just not for, it hasn't even been your fault, but things that have happened in your life have caused you to look inward or caused you to not live a missional life, and you know that God's calling you today to live a life that's different than uh, where you've been. And today's about a new map for you. We want to pray for you today. I'd love for you to respond and let the Holy Spirit do a powerful work in your life. Maybe you're in a place where you don't know Jesus. Maybe you are. You say, man, I am lost. He came to seek and to save you. If you're lost today, respond to the gospel of Jesus and see your life changed. Come on an adventure with us. Don't come just to be found. Come and get on an adventure with us. Meet the greatest King of kings and Lord of lords. Don't come to make a decision. Come and fall in love with Jesus Christ who gave himself for you. And I want to, um, I want to pray for any of you who say, man, I, I may be called to go. Um, maybe it's a new chapter in your life. I'd love to pray for my folks. Would you guys step... Come right up here. They're going on a new adventure. Ben, would you have a minute, unless they stepped out with the baby? Would you come up? Uh, Ben's going to Brazil, as I said. And it's not just Ben. Guys, listen to this. Look up here. We're going to Brazil. By sending uh, Ben, it's through the church finances and through our family of churches. We're going to Brazil. That's pretty cool. Some of you think, well, I'm not going to be in Brazil. I'll be here. But we get to go. We get to be a part of what God's doing around the globe. That's. Incredible. That's, that's, we've asked God. God send us, and He is sending us. So Ben, would you come up to this uh, side of the stage? We'll pray for you, And anyone else who just wants to respond to the message today to say, "Man, I, I need a new map in life, and I want God to move in my life and, and our ministry team and church family, would you gather around these that come, pray for them? Uh, you guys are dismissed. Next week, Mother's Day, don't forget starting a new series called Fight for the Family next week. We want to invite you to that. Moms, uh, invite them. Your kids and grandkids, everyone will come. It's Mother's Day. Get them here. We'll have a good time. You guys are dismissed.